Welcome well, back and welcome to our backstory conversation. It is, in fact, with Julia O'Connell. Thanks for joining in to our backstory conversation. Our theme is like a fish out of water. So, dare I say, let's plunge right in. <laughs> in terms of backstory, it turns out, as you and I know, we share an interest and a history in sailing. You grew up sailing a sunfish off Cape Cod in Massachusetts. I sailed a sunfish on Manhasset Bay on the North Shore of Long Island in New York. And we discovered we share a few other similarities too, which we may get to later. But in the first place, Julia, what drew you into boating in general and sailing in particular? So when I was um, 12 years old, I did a lot of babysitting and I took care of children for um, a couple that owned a boat yard. And it was required that I learned how to sail. So they gave me free sailing lessons on um, these little widgeons and and I just loved it. And so that I would be prepared to go out on their Rhodes 19, this big boat out in the bay with their little kids. Um, and then I graduated from that when my dad bought us a sunfish and he had four children and none of my siblings were interested. So I was always going down to Pleasant Bay and we moored the, you know, the boat there and I could just easily sail anytime I wanted to. And I did. And I love going out in small craft mornings because I was pretty crazy <laughs> as a teenager. And then sometimes I, I would go by myself sometimes and other times with friends and we'd sail across Pleasant Bay to the outer beach, which divided Pleasant Bay from the ocean. And then you could walk across to the ocean and do some body surfing and then come back and get on your boat and go back home. Um, and then sometimes when I went out on small craft warnings, I wasn't so fortunate. I would get stuck in the middle of the bay, tipped over. Every time I'd write the sail, I'd get smashed by another wave and tip over. And twice, boats had to tow me in. You know, there was an angel on my shoulder. It was incredible <laughs> that I survived these antics. Um, so, yeah, so I just, I love sailing. It's just so exciting when you're in a small boat like a sunfish because you're one with the water and the wind. I, yeah, That's exactly what you're talking about. You also told me you worked in a boatyard. And until very recently, and to some extent, even now, boatyards were run by men for men. So mm -hmm. my question to you then is, how did a girl years ago get to work in a boatyard building or repairing boats? Um. Well, the first boat yard I worked in was the old mill boat yard in Chatham, Mass, and it had new owners and they had no idea what they were doing. So <laughs> they would hire anybody pretty much that knocked on the door. So they hired me and then I got them to hire my brother. And um, I, I learned a fair amount, like don't be around paint without a respirator because the paint fumes from, you know, the paint that you use on boats, of course, is pretty toxic. Um, and then the second time I worked in a boatyard was a friend in Ketuit, Mass, which is also on the Cape. And he built sailing skiffs. And uh, he hired me because we were friends. But that's a good point. Very good point, because women were unusual, for sure. And that was in the 70s, the first time I did it, and in the 90s, the second time. Yeah. Well, were you a... Painter, varnisher, carpenter? Did you do finished carpentry? What kind of boat building work did you do? So the first boat yard, I was, I think, all of 21. And I did mostly um, painting. 
and sanding, you know, grunt work. And then the second one was actually building the skiffs, these wooden boats. And I, because I was low skill, but I, I had done carpentry. So I've done some non-traditional things as a woman. I was a firefighter, I was a carpenter, and then I worked in this um, boat building uh, shop and I did the bungs. You had to, uh, when you put all the wood together and then you have to block the holes where the nails are with these wooden plugs, and then you had to make sure that it's sanded and so, but it was just fun being with my friend. He, you know, we had a lot of fun. Now, you also told me that you rode on the UNH crew in college. Right. And in my view, rowing crew has the distinction of being one of the hardest and most underappreciated sports in, in all the worlds of sport. It's yeah. a long way from canoeing or, or sunfish sailing. So what possibly possessed you and how did it turn out to row in the crew? Well, I had just broken up with a boyfriend and I needed something to do that would, <laughs> <laughs> that would well, be an upper. turn. <laughs> so, and it entailed getting up at 5 a.m. because the workouts, um, off-season workouts were 6 to 8 for training, 6 a.m. before our classes at UNH. And it was such a fabulous coach and a team. It would because you're you're really a team when you're in a boat with seven, eight other people, coxswain and eight rowers, you have to work together. So we worked together on land workouts and in the water and the university gave us absolutely no funding. Really? But yeah, so we had to do all our own fundraising which made an even tighter group. And there was a rule, you can do three things. You can be on the crew team, you can study or you can party but you can only do two out of these three things. So you pick. And um, it was just a great learning experience for me because we worked on the boats as, you know, we had to do our own repairs and we traveled far and wide. We went to the head of the Charles, which most of you've yeah. heard of. And we went to the Dadvale Regatta in Philadelphia. And um, our women did really well because we trained with the guys. They weren't separate. We all trained together. So it's already trying to impress each other, you know? And um, so two of our women went to the Olympics and several of our women went to national competition and did quite well. And I always rode in the bow because I was the smallest, but if you made it to workouts, you got on the team. That was the rule. So I was on the team. Now you also mentioned in our earlier conversation that you were a certified water safety instructor. I was a Red Cross certified small craft instructor, not a water safety oh, instructor, but sort of related certifications. Whatever possessed you to become a water safety instructor and how did that work out? So when I was seven years old, I lived in a small neighborhood and my friends were four years older than me. That was the closest in age. And we did everything together, including going swimming. We were on a dock in a pond and they said, can you swim? I said, yeah, I can do what you can do. And so we all jumped off the end of the dock over our heads. I had no idea how to swim. I struggled and I just sunk right down to the bottom of the pond. Oh, yeah. And then there was, a, fortunately there's a gentleman that I'd seen doing laps and he saw me go down and struggle. So he came over and picked me up off the bottom of the pond and put me on the dock. And I was so embarrassed. Um, 
but I survived and I promised myself, I'm going to learn how to swim. It's the last thing I do. I'm going to learn how to swim. And then I became a swim instructor as a result and went on to teach swimming. I still teach swimming actually to this day. I still do it. But Well, Julie, I imagine you have more boating and water related stories to tell. And we want to hear them. But turning to storytelling, you are one of our more recent tellers. And share with us, if you would, what led you to give storytelling a try? Where Did you have family or particular friends who are storytellers? And so, yes. So far. Well, I met Amy years ago gathering seaweed at the beach. So I've been a long time fan of Amy Antonucci because she is just incredible, everything she's involved with. And so that's why I went to True Tales, actually when it was a radio show, I'd be in the audience observing. And um, I like to challenge myself and I'm, I'm not really, <laughs> you think? And I'm not really comfortable telling stories, but I thought it'd be good for me to try. And my friends have told me, you should write your memoirs because I've had some interesting adventures in my life. So I thought this might be a good segue to start with storytelling and see if I want to go further. And how is it working out so far? Um, <laughs> um, what do you think? Uh, it, it's getting better. Like the first time I did it, because it's on Zoom, we can kind of cheat and have lots of notes to refer to. So the first time I did it a couple months ago, I had lots of notes I referred to. And, and this time I just did it cold. I didn't look at any notes. And as a result, I kind of missed some, <laughs> some of the jokes I wanted to tell, but that's okay. It's um it's a great learning experience and I feel more confident and that's really, you know, it's good for all of us to gain more self-confidence. So I really appreciate this opportunity. And also Amy is, and Pat are such good coaches they in are, helping are. me, helping I, me create. I can say that and I'm completely unbiased. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that leads in a way to the last question, which is always my same question. A key part of our mission is to encourage new tellers. And as noted, you are a relatively new teller. So from your perspective, in a sentence or two or a paragraph, how would you advise someone who is just starting to consider becoming a storyteller? Well, I like the last line that Steve said, be afraid, be very afraid, and just do it. <laughs> because you got nothing. It's, so, it's such a supportive, it's like the perfect... I think situation to be well supported and and get your story out. However, you might not even think it's that good, but just do it because everybody has something that they can share that will be appreciated. Well said. Well, friends, this brings us to the end of our backstory conversation with Julia. Julia, thank you so much. And we want you back. Okay, and friends, this brings us to the end of our program. Typically at this point, I review, uh, in a way, upcoming events, but today is a little different for a couple of reasons, one of which you know already, well, actually both. And first, as was mentioned, we're doing that live in-person show Friday, June 30th at the Portsmouth Senior Center, and we hope you will come and bring your friends. And I have a favor to ask. We created a flyer, and if you have access to a computer and a printer, we'd appreciate it if you'd print out a few copies posted in good places in your neck of the woods. 
And you can kind of think of this as a True Tales live version of a Kickstarter campaign. I'll post the download in the chat. It's a PNG file. And it's also linked on our newsletter if you get that. And we thank you for that. And second, on my own, on, on, uh, for myself, a few words of appreciation for our retiring audio video editor, John Lovering. As Amy mentioned, what eventually became True Tales Live was John's idea. And as mentioned, it started on radio, evolved to community TV, and is now on Zoom. John produced the first show by himself, all by himself, likely a slight mistake. He did all the roles at once. He was joined by Amy and Pat, later me and others. And through all the iterations, we were aided and supported by John's combination of technical expertise, passion for the project, and compassion for new tellers. John, you're retiring now and you will be missed. And we will find additional appropriate ways to share our appreciations of you and your work in the future. But we could not let this moment pass without acknowledging all that you've done for True Tales Live. And I could not let this moment pass without saying how much I appreciate your friendship, your guidance, and your support. In her book, The Psychic Pathway, a workbook for reawakening the voice of your soul, author Sonia Choquette writes, a storyteller's form of healing is being a counselor and healing people with ideas, with stories, and kind, loving guidance. John Lovering is known to us primarily for his audio and video expertise, but he is also and significantly a storyteller. And he, you, like all authentic tellers, heals and holds people with stories and gracious good guidance. That's our program for tonight. Come to our June show and bring friends. Thanks to our tellers and our crew and you. My name is David Frainer. Good night. Thank you.